the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to be talking about the pop Christian's shame of the law. I have to say pop Christian because I believe that the true Christians should not be ashamed of the law, but uh, unfortunately I, I believe that there are many true Christians out there who are truly ashamed of the law, and that needs to be corrected. We've all seen the online battles, the uh, mudslinging, the straw men, and the ad hominems, the hurt feelings, the broken friendships. Facebook and Twitter have become the synagogues of dialogue in our culture because all the things you want to talk about in church are culturally unacceptable, so the discussion gets taken to social media. Church should be the first place we talk about these things, frankly. Several of these uh, online arguments stand out to me. One in particular is too common not to be addressed with a swift kick in the rebuttal because I never see Christians come back with a response to it. The argument that I'm referring to is a cure-all shutdown from antinomians, usually given as an attack on people trying to get application from the Old Testament, namely categorizing homosexuality as sin, capital punishment, young earth creationism, etc. And it often boils down to condemnation of just two of God's laws. Note that I said condemnation. The argument sounds something like this. Yeah, well, the Bible also says that you can't eat shellfish, so... Or, really, you think that we shouldn't wear two different types of fabric? Other attacks on theonomy or just the Old Testament in general are also involved laws on menstruation, dietary laws, the concubinage, and slavery, but for some reason the shellfish and fabric laws are mentioned more than the rest. Now because of the general atmosphere of antinomianism in the institutional church, Christians by and large struggle to give a valid response to these attacks on God's law. As soon as the assault begins, the Christians are running for the hills from the atheists and honestly other supposed Christians. Nary a word has been typed, and the Christians are ready with either their apologies for God's law, their joint condemnation of it, or their let-me-do-some-more-research nonsense. Virtually, no one knows what to do when these points are brought up. Uh, that is, why do you subscribe to a code of justice and morality that has such silliness? Pop Christians don't know this, but they are ashamed of God's law. In the back of their mind, they have subscribed to the idea that, yes, some of God's law is silly or stupid. Some of them are aware of this shame, however, and become uh, antagonists to more than half of the Bible. They have all been taught, however, by the institutional church to hate God's law, specifically Genesis through Deuteronomy. I mean, see how far you get in an online discussion after you bring up Leviticus. They all really hate that book more than any other for some reason. The failure of the institutional church to educate the Christians of this nation on God's law, its economics, its justice, its worth, its power, its relevance, is such an unbelievable casualty to the invisible church. We have dispensationalism to thank and ourselves to blame for this, honestly. The ignorance of God's law by those professing to love Christ and his word is the problem, but a good old-fashioned slap in the face with Psalm 119 is the answer. Psalm 119 represents the attitude that every Christian in the church should have towards God's law. Every Christian, every church should echo with one voice the sentiment presented by the psalmist in Psalm 119. Out of the 176 verses contained therein, only a handful are written with no reference to God's law. The rest either have the word commandment, statute, law, rules, testimonies, ways, word, or precepts. All of these are references to Genesis through Deuteronomy. Now, it should be said here that the Christians do not read that the psalmist is talking about God's law, but in the back of their mind, they think he is talking about the gospel. When the psalmist says in verse 25, My soul clings to the dust, give me life according to your word, 
They read, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When it says in verse 49, remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope, they think it says, remember the Psalms to your servant in which you have made me hope. Most Christians do not even comprehend that this psalmist has this attitude towards Genesis through Deuteronomy. Think about it. I mean, really think about it. Here is the psalmist saying, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. You mean Leviticus uh, 11.10? That is, quote, but anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins or scales or the swarming creatures in the waters and of the living creatures that are in the waters is detestable to you, unquote. Really, you were singing about that dumb law? I mean, look at verses 62 where it says, quote, at midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules, unquote. You mean the righteous rules of Leviticus 19.19? Uh, quote, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two ki- kinds of material. Unquote. Those rules, Mr. Psalmist, you get out of bed at midnight to praise the Lord for those. Verse 99 says, quote, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation, unquote. You mean to tell me that you are smarter than your teacher because you meditate on laws like Exodus 21, 17, quote, whoever curses his father and mother shall be put to death, unquote, and Deuteronomy 22, 6, quote, if you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs, and if the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young, unquote. Now, you must be crazy, David, or whoever wrote this collection of outmoded and embarrassing litigation. At least he's not worshiping them because we should never have such a view of Scripture. That's bibliolatry. Yet in verse 48, it says, quote, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes, unquote. Now, many of the above laws have been fulfilled in Christ as far as, far as our justification, all of them have. As far as our application, however, there are still some binding laws. Is it still a sin to commit adultery? Yes, then adultery should be punished according to the biblical prescription. Is it still wrong to eat shellfish? No, so it's unenforceable. Is it still wrong to rape? Of course, so the rapist should be executed. Is it still wrong to wear two types of fabric? No, so no punishment is attached to the sin. The point I'm trying to make here is this. The Bible's attitude towards the laws which God had prescribed is always positive. These were good laws given to the children of God for their good. Deuteronomy 10 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord uh, your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Most Christians have not sat down and thought about it in this light, namely that the laws which they find weird or silly were given for the actual benefit of an entire nation. These were good laws. These were just laws. They were holy laws. There's an argument going on around there that that these laws were given to the Israelites because uh, it was for survival. But you don't read, I want you to survive because I survive. He says, The Lord says to his children, be holy for I am holy. This is how you be holy before Christ came. And it was good stuff. There was nothing wrong with it. We shouldn't be ashamed about anything in the Old Testament as far as the laws go. There's a lot to be ashamed of what the people did. That's for sure. But when it comes to the laws, the psalmist's attitude is always positive. You can't read Psalm 119 and walk away with this attitude of like, well, yeah, some of it's good and some of it's bad. You know what I mean? It's all good. When John Piper was asked which laws were still binding or like what we should, what should we do with the Ten Commandments, I, we did a podcast about this uh, a couple months ago, the roundtable with my dad and John Bingaman. Uh, John, John Piper said we should keep the commandments that are loving. More right after this. 
Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. And if that is not a major summary of the of the pop Christian's attitude towards the law, there's like there's loving laws and there's some laws that are not loving. Yeah, I mean, what a great summary that was. And when you get a discussion online and someone brings up that uh, the, those laws and they start to, they start mocking them, and they bring it to your attention attention as like of some sort of way to delegitimize your argument, just say, hey, what's wrong with that law? There's not there's nothing wrong with with that law. That that was a good law. It's fulfilled in Christ, but there's nothing wrong with it. The pagans are going to drown in the ocean and 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 lecture the Christians about the size of their boat. Now we got a new boat in Christ, a bigger and better boat to compare boats to covenants. But there's nothing wrong with the old boat. The, the, um, just because we got a new one doesn't mean the old one was bad. What I'm trying to argue is not that we should be following the old dietary laws or you know the cleanliness laws. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that we shouldn't be ashamed of them. We shouldn't have the negative view towards them like they were a bad thing or a silly thing or a stupid thing. So the next time you get into that conversation and someone starts mocking the dietary laws, just remember to be thankful that God gave those laws to Israel in the first place so that you could sit on your lazy butt and argue with someone about their legitimacy. Be strong and courageous, my friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. Brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts, where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.